0: I used to be amazed at some riders who had coaches. Oh, my coach, I haven't done a flying change yet because my coach says I'm not ready. That's right. And I would say, well, no one even taught me how to do a single flying change, let alone teach several horses to do fours, threes, twos and ones. You just, you really just have to have a go.
1: From performanceriders.com. this is The Collectives where we ever so gently put aside the training and the experts just for a little while and focus on some real talk with riders from the equestrian community. Okay, so many riders train in remote regions without any access to trainers at all, or even if a rider is somewhere where there is trainers around, they may struggle with time or other factors meaning that ultimately they're unable to train regularly with a coach. So today we're joined by three fantastic writers from our community who will be sharing their stories about training solo, training by themselves, and their strategies for progressing through the levels, all primarily without a coach. So those three writers we have with us today are Libby, Claire, and Amanda. Welcome, writers. Thanks for having me, up. Awesome to have you here. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Let's get to know each other a little bit. Just through the quick introduction, let's start with you, Libby.
2: Uh, hi, I'm uh, I'm Libby. I live at Narrabri in northwestern New South Wales, and um, I have a horse competing preliminary novice, although hopefully elementary very soon, and another pony who has competed medium. Awesome. Welcome, Libby. Claire, what about you?
0: Yeah, hi, I'm um, Claire. I'm from central Queensland, based in Rockhampton. So, a long way from anywhere, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I run um, Lexington Farm Dressage, and I've got four competition horses at the moment from um, medium level up to Pre St George into one, and four breakers, a little string of breakers happening at the moment busy busy yeah.
3: Mandy.
1: <laughs> Mandy over
3: to you hi I'm Amanda and known as Mandy also I'm from a wee settlement called the Rukaturi Valley in Hooks Bay New Zealand I'm currently competing two lovely horses both imported from Australia one mm. at medium level and one at novice level I have a family of three boys Twins and a younger son, and we live on a sheep and beef farm and have a very supportive husband.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you, writers. Okay, let's get stuck in and we're going to start with you, Libby. Libby, what's the background with your writing? So, have you trained in the past with coaches or have you always worked by yourself?
2: I- pretty well always worked by myself um, from a non-horsey family but I was horse crazy from uh, as soon as I could speak. Um, Initially I rode show jumpers Uh, as a teenager and in my 20s. Did very little riding while I had a young family and work commitments and then um, I broke my back so show jumping ended And I started riding show horses, which I swore I never would, but (laughs) I really enjoyed that. And then I've always dabbled in dressage, but since I joined the Parbury program two years ago, that's now become my focus. But having lived in the middle of nowhere the whole time, I've never had a regular coach. It's just not something that was possible.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit more. So your situation is that you literally just don't have access to trainers where you are?
2: No, we, we don't. I live at Narrabri and we're about 600 kilometres northwest of Sydney or 600 kilometres southwest of Brisbane. Uh, so uh, there's not, it's not really um, the place where you find many coaches. Mm. So to get coaching, I generally have to travel to say Tamworth um, which is about two hours away to go to visiting coaches when they have clinics there and um, up until probably 18 months ago I would maybe have a lesson twice a year oh, wow. um, once a year or twice a year um, but that's I've, I'm much better in the last 18 months it's now probably three or four times a year so okay. to me that's that's a lot yeah um, because I, I've just never had, Regular coaching and yeah. never had a certainly never had a regular coach
1: and that three or four times a year you know recently that's been driving the two hours
2: uh that's been going to Armadale to the clinics with Brett uh-huh yeah so, it's so a, that's it's um, about three and a half hours Wow um, a bit more three and a half you, to four they'd want to be good lessons Brett <laughs> yes yes no is pre- pressures on <laughs> But, uh, look, I, I found that really rewarding to get the continuity with the same coach, even if it is, you know, only three or four times a year. And um, with the Parby program in the background, you know, you are getting that consistency of approach, which I'm loving.
0: Mm, really that's really awesome.
2: Nice. So what sort of success have you had despite not
1: working regularly with a coach? Now, don't be humble, Libby. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. I've been pretty lucky. Um, I, I've had some great horses and um, as a teenager, I was the Australian Junior Show Jumping Champion That's way so back. Cool. I'm, not, I'm not mentioning the year. Uh, it was too long ago. Um, <laughs> that is so cool. I did not know that about you, Libby. That is so cool. <laughs> it was a while ago, Nat. <laughs> and um, show horses, which I've been showing for about eight years at national level and... Um, Won one national championship with with a hunter horse at that in that time, and very recently, um, as in last month, I won the Australian Amateur Owner Rider Preliminary Championship with my young horse. So that was yeah. hugely exciting. That is so cool. So how do you
1: make it work? Like, what are the strategies that you use to keep progressing in your training without that
2: regular coach coaching? Um, It's interesting, I I suppose, to to think about how how you do it. Um, Mm. I think it's really important to have a plan and and you've got to keep to that plan because otherwise you just have Groundhog Day. Um, So you have a plan. Try and be consistent. Um, The pivot uh, to do self-videoing is fabulous. I've had one of those for a couple of years now and I use it every week. Um, so self-video reviews, you can get very critical of yourself doing that. But um, but I, I find it really useful. Um, the mentoring and, and coaching through the Parbury program, as I mentioned. Um, and I, I think that the biggest strategy is you learn when you're by yourself, you really learn to focus. Um, you you have to be focused. You have to have that voice in your head that is you know, always churning when you're riding. And um, I, I find I can't ride if I'm, you know, I, if at the end of the day and you've had a big day at work and you're, you know, you're worn out and, and your brain is full, I, I don't like to ride then because, um, you know, my brain has had it. I prefer to ride early in the morning when I can really focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I find that useful. And whenever you get to go to do coaching or, or a clinic, I mean, you, you just soak it up. You take everything that you can out of your own lesson. You watch as many other lessons as you can. You do a lot of visualising. Um, and, yeah, I, I just feel like I, I'm i like the enthusiastic little kid on the fence at a <laughs> clinic just watching everyone and everything and yeah. and trying to take it all in. So yeah. that's that's my approach, I suppose. Tell me a little bit more about the,
1: the videoing, you know, you use uh, the Piva little video robot to video yourself once a week. And then is it literally like you video, you watch it. Do you write down some notes? Do you have anyone else watch it? What do you do with that?
2: Um, Most of the time it's, it's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, I do take notes and I'll use that to inform what I'm going to work on next. Yeah. Um, So if, if you're working on, say, a piece of lateral work that you are trying to get ready for a test, then you'll video that and analyse what's wrong with it, what you think you might need to do to fix it, um, and and go from there. I, I don't tend to like video half an hour and and watch the whole half hour. Okay. I'll tend to video bits. Yeah, so I might warm up and then i'll I'll video a bit. And then I'll do something else and I'll video a bit because it can get pretty boring watching (laughs) yourself just trot around. (laughs) Love it. But I do use it strategically. I do also um, sometimes send it to to Mel Parbury for coaching. Uh, Um, I've found that more useful than doing a video lesson oh, I find okay. using the Pivo in a video lesson I'm trying to concentrate on riding the horse and having the earpieces in and is the camera following me and am I too close to the camera I too far away and my brain just explodes so um, I find it better to video bits and then send it to Mel and then we we go over it together so I do so then you hop on the well. phone and discuss Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah. and I've found that terrific. Um, mm, for okay, me, that great. works better than a video lesson.
1: Mm, that's really interesting. Um, talk me through some more of the challenges of training by yourself. So some sort of are obvious, but some are probably not so obvious. And can I also throw in there, are there any benefits? <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you did say that you learn to focus and you learn to plan. I'm kind of feeling like
2: there might be some benefits here. I, I think there is a really big benefit. um, and the big benefit to me is that when you compete, you're out there by yourself. There's no one else in the ring. you've got a you know, you are just you, your horse, and your brain. And when you train like that all the time, it's not I, I think you it's not feeling more confident when you compete, but it's more familiar. It's not like you're accustomed to having someone, micromanaging you or telling you when it's right or when it's not right or what you need to do um, because you when you're trained by yourself, you're accustomed to doing all of that on the fly. You're accustomed yeah. to doing it as you go. So competing, um, yeah. I know a lot of ladies my age who say they, you know, they can't compete, they're too self-conscious. And I say I don't even really think about it. I'm, I'm probably a bit self-conscious in the warm-up arena because I'm not, not accustomed to working with other horses around and other people, and and I find that more confronting. But once I get into the ring, that's just me, the horse, and what we're doing, and that's normal Yeah, because um, yeah. that's, that's every day. So yeah. I, I think that's a big advantage. Um, the disadvantages are obvious. I mean, you can get into poor habits you don't even notice um you miss opportunities to fix things early okay yeah and you miss opportunities to progress you can get very tied up with trying to perfect something that you know you'd end up making it worse when you yeah. should be just letting it go and continuing on um so I think that's a disadvantage and, and you can also you can erode your confidence if things are not going right and you're going out every day and it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse um at those times it would be lovely to have a coach to um yeah sure to, to yeah. help with it but um you know overall look they're, they're little things we I feel lucky I can ride I feel lucky I get to compete yeah. um the fact that I live remotely and don't have access to coaching. I mean, to me, getting worked up about that being a a disadvantage or if only, um, what's the point of that, you know? I'm lucky I can do what I can do, so get on with it. What an awesome attitude. And I did want to ask you about whether you believe that
1: riders can you know enjoy this sport progress in this sport and and be competitive without a coach but i feel like you know the fact that just the other day you went out and won a national aor championship level championship is probably pretty good indication that it is possible
2: <laughs> to succeed in this sport oh, I, I, anyway. I think it is um yeah it's got its challenges but everyone's got challenges you know even you yeah, know you might have uh regular coaching but um you know you you don't have your horses in your backyard which I do and mm. um you know so I know my horses really well I I work from home I I watch them from my office um yeah. everyone's got regardless of your situation you know you've got advantages and disadvantages so yeah take exactly. what you've got and run with it yeah awesome thank you Louie. It's Brett
3: Parbury here and I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this conversation, you might like to head over to performanceriders.com slash podcast, where we list free training resources just for our podcast audiences. Find out what's available now at performanceriders.com slash podcast.
0: And now back to the episode.
3: Claire,
1: let's let's head over to you. Now you've been in this sport a long time. You've trained a lot of horses to and you you know you're a Grand Prix trainer you' got a lot on the go now. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your situation. Is it you're training by yourself now, but has that always been the case?
0: Ah uh, yeah, it has. So I moved from Sydney to central Queensland many moons ago. and um, then I actually got a job with DNR and that was in land care and catchment management. And so I was on a property. And doing a bit of camp drafting, a bit of show writing, then decided that was all very boring, except the fast part of camp drafting. That was fun. <laughs> and, uh, um, so I just I got into dressage through another local dressage rider where I adjusted a couple of courses. And eventually I bought my first warm blood from this person. And um, I said to her one day, um, You know, by the time I'm, I don't know, 40 or whatever it was, I will have trained this horse to Grand Prix, and I did. So, you know, it's just I I did that through books and the old videos. I used to watch videos again and again and again. In fact, I can't actually, as a kid, I don't think I even ever had a riding lesson, non-horsey parents. Sydney suburb, no, it wasn't happening. So I, I just really taught myself, yeah. and I'm a sporty sort of person. So I had a bit of natural sort of balance. But I don't know. I I connected really well with horses. I just I just could understand, you know, how to train them. I just I just got it.
1: Yeah. And so what what's the situation at the moment? You you obviously you know you live in a remote. Area. I'm assuming there's not sort of a plethora of dressage mm-hmm. coaches to choose from within a 5K radius. Um, do, what sort of coaching do you have through the year?
0: Um, Rocky's a funny place. There's a lot of interest in other sports, everything except dressage. Initially, maybe 20 years ago, we'd get some coaches up, you know, some overseas coaches, but mostly um when I was on the Queensland dress arch squad, I would go to Brisbane for lessons, and that was usually with the Australian national coach, old Clement Dirk, and we would go to visiting instructors, but I always had to drive the 750Ks to Brisbane. Wow. That's one way. Um, and probably we would have had coaches up in Rockhampton oh, maybe twice a year if I was lucky because... Yeah. I just couldn't. You couldn't find enough local interest in sport, so I couldn't get enough riders for um, to fill it to fill a clinic. It was just impossible. Right, right,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. What strategies do you have in place to keep progressing through your training and to keep being competitive without a coach? And maybe your stubbornness is one of those strategies.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've always been very stubborn and I'm also very determined yeah. um, and I love to analyse what I'm doing. Early on I made the effort to meet other judges and other trainers when I entered the world of dressage in Queensland at the age of 38 and um, that was because I thought, well, I can get information from them and I can get feedback from them. If they weren't judging me, they might watch my test at a competition and then I'd go and talk to them afterwards. Yeah. So that was always useful. And then, of course, we took our old, you know, test papers home and I went over and over those. That was a positive and a negative because sometimes the judges, you know, maybe didn't see it quite right or they're because maybe some of the judges are not actually writing anymore. So it was often hard to convert their comments into into sort of training instructions for me to follow. That was mm. tricky. Mm. That was really tricky. But what I have done recently is, you know, kept in contact with judges and I'll often ring them and talk to talk to them and say, look, you know, if they're a writer as well, yeah. um, this is happening, what, what do you think I should do? Or what do you think about this as a strategy? Yeah. Um, but certainly in 2019 when I joined the Brett Parbury program with a drought relief scholarship, mm. um, you know, that's been an enormous benefit to me mm. because finally I've got other trainers that, you know, I can send little videos, yeah. that PIVO thing. Obviously I need a lesson from Libby because... <laughs> It videos the guinea fowl and it videos the horse in the white rug in the paddock and then it turns around and videos the fig tree and not me. However, the little oh. bits I get I send off to Emma yeah. Winehart and get her to have a little comment or I'll send them off to a judge up at Mackay that I'm friends with and say, what do you reckon about this? Um, you know, that's you just have to grab every tool you can out of your toolbox and use it. Mm. And if it works, you keep using it. If it doesn't work, you chuck it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, another interesting thing um, that I've noticed from working with you in the program um, with, with a lot of the writers in the program who train by themselves is that those who train by themselves are amazing at implementing advice which is so such a huge part of the battle information is one thing but you can there's you know you can absorb information your whole life and never do anything with it but those of you who train by yourself have i guess learned by necessity to take everything that you're getting and action it which is such an awesome skill to have
0: yeah i i, I sort of I found that reasonably easy. I'd watch something on a on a video, say it was a walk pirouette, and I'd go outside and I'd go right. I saw the rider do this, this, and this, yeah. and I knew that you know I had some training books from German, the tr- German um, training guide, etc., to follow, um, and another couple of good books, and I would just read them and read them and read them, and go outside, get on the horse and, you know, see what reactions and try to analyse it in my head and try to work out which set of aids I needed to apply to get that the correct response for that movement. But, yeah, I, I used to be amazed at some riders who had coaches. Oh, my coach, I haven't done a flying change yet because my coach says I'm not ready. That's and right. And well, I would say, well, no one even taught me how to do a single flying change, let alone teach... Several horses to do fours, threes, twos, and ones. You just, you really just have to have a go. Yeah. I think, you know, you just got to have a go at it and not be frightened of a, of a wild response or a bad response. Um, yeah. I remember once I was teaching a horse flying changes and a, and a coach said, Oh, that looks a bit wild, Claire. And I said, Yeah, it's a bit camp draft style. But I've got to tell you, <laughs> Once the horse gets the idea to do the change, I then modify that and make a dressage change.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I can put the pretty bits on it later. That's
0: the idea. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, I just want to pop in for a moment to let you know that just like our riders today on the podcast, you too can be a part of our community by enrolling in Brett Parbury's Dressage Breakthrough Program. Enrollments are open now and we'd love to welcome you no matter what level of dressage you're currently at. If you have a goal to improve, this program's for you. Find out more and get in touch with us at performanceriders.com. Now back to the conversation. Mandy, let's go over to you if you don't mind. No, that's fine. Awesome. So Mandy, tell me about the background with your riding. Have you, have you always trained by yourself?
3: Um, well, I'm actually from a horsey family. Um, mum uh, competed and she competed in Australia in that as well. But I didn't take that up first off. I hunted and I invented and I show jumped. And I took the dressage side of things up, I would say, after I had the children, when the nerves got the better of me with the jumping.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
3: and we actually bred and rode all our own right through till a couple of years ago. So we've had some real challenges. Um, we were in the syndicate to import the first warm blood into New Zealand, so with oh. the burn, burning our back. So that really got everything up and going with the dressage side of things, with the better movement and stuff that was coming in. And that was actually a really exciting period. Um, from then on, we um, we had some very very difficult horses, and we sought trainers to help us out. Um, and I had a, a lovely horse that came out of um, the breeding program. And if I'd known now what know and then what I know now what I know then, or how how we say it, um, he would have done. Yeah, done very well. And he actually got me really started and really interested in the dressage. Um, we had a trainer coming through maybe twice a year. Okay. Um, it's not, not the distance from where I live. It's actually the roads to get in and out. Oh, really? Yes, they're, they're not nice. Um, so and to get other people on board in the little community that we live in, to have lessons is very, very difficult because at, at the time when we were starting off, completely different now. In the last three or four years, we've um, been able to get trainers in and get riders to fill a clinic, but it's still quite difficult. So, of course, I have to travel about four hours oh, wow. uh, to to actually go to have lessons. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so
1: and that's four the, hours on on the on difficult. It sounds like it's quite difficult to sort yeah. of float or truck the horses
3: in and out. Very windy roads, very, very windy roads. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, so um, but we do now we've got a lot more people on board with us. So when we are going in and out um, of, of the area, we're sort of travelling in convoy and everybody sort of lets everybody know when what times they're leaving and bits and pieces too. Um, yeah. So. Oh, okay.
1: And so what, um, what sort of success have you had in your riding journey, Mandy, despite not working regularly
3: with a coach? I won the Junior Rider of the Year way back. (laughs) I wouldn't like to say the year that was either. (laughs) (laughs) And I've also been very successful in um, always being in the top eight, and that is my aim, to be in the top eight or the top ten when you you go out out of the area. I have won numerous championships with my horses, um, all reserve championships. And Yeah. I always set myself a target with the percentages that you want to achieve or that you go out to a competition. Yeah. And I pretty much do do that. Um, but with the riding community that we do have in New Zealand, when, when you go out to competitions because of the ones that do live remotely, you always sit down and talk about, you get someone to try and watch you
0: okay. and
3: sit down and talk about what they think um, your training that you're doing is, is, is progressing how it's progressing and they always pretty honest and pick up loopholes and stuff on what you're doing so you, I go back, I watch, I also use the Pivo now that I've got the technology underway yeah. um, and I do talk about issues with my trainers from the Pivo um, yeah. of what I can see, uh, and it seems to be working really well with the two knife horses I have now, um, making it a, a huge difference to my training plan, program, and of course, Brett um journey is just great. Yeah.
1: Love it. And so with the when you're talking about
3: um, the at the competitions,
1: is it that you, you sort of watch yeah. each other and then have discussions about what you're seeing and is we that do. at the competitions you're doing that?
3: Oh wow Yes, yes at the competitions. I will'll we'll sit around the truck at the end of the day with, the, with the, the the ones from our area and also the ones that get regular training yeah. um, that you know they're friends of ours. and we, we do we just talk about what what was good, what was not good, just so that we can help each other. It works really well, really, really well.
1: That's that's what a wonderful thing. I've not really heard of that happening. Um, very much and that must really unite the community of riders as well. It does,
3: it does and specifically if you if it happens on day one, on day, day two you'll find that those riders are watching particular people um, that are doing well successfully and yes I, I, I find it most beneficial, especially the competitions, I just, that's what's actually kept me going. Um, on my journey is just watching and progressing because it's all very well to be able to sit at home and just do your own thing yeah um and yeah and go down the rabbit holes
1: (laughs) yeah well that's right yes those rabbit holes and Mm -hmm.
3: tell me a little bit more um like Libby
1: did about what you're doing with your Pivo so how often are you videoing yourself and then what are you doing with those videos
3: We've got. Uh, I've got a wee block here in Gisborne, and we. I set it up in the indoor arena. And if I'm particularly having trouble, say with my half passes and not enough angle, or something's not quite going, I will do several of them, and then I'll turn it off, and then I'll have a look at it, and then I will do it again. Ah. Uh, and then I will have a look at it, and then I, at the end of the day, I will. Um, discuss it send it off get someone to come in and look at it for me that's um and it's the same especially with blind changes as they're they're another one that I use that a lot for and um straightness horses, a lot of straightness of the horses because when you do train on your own um you do tend to um don't not take note of those sorts of things you just let those things sort of just get bigger and bigger and bigger and all of a sudden you are at a competition and you get it noted on your paper and you think oh really yeah i hadn't noticed it so i, I do video at least twice a week when i'm down here i can't of course do it at home mm-hmm. but um down here i yeah i do do it or i will um get friends from down here to come in and watch
1: yeah that's really interesting i like how you're using the video um during the ride so you're videoing a little bit, watching and then feeding that straight back into the training. That's interesting.
3: Yes. And it does work really well because what you've just done, yeah. you had a feeling for, and then you come around and think, well, this is what I need to do. I need to reset it. And yes, I've very beneficial. Very, very beneficial.
1: And talking of the straightness of those sorts of things, do you have mirrors in your arena, Mandy?
3: I do. I do.
1: Okay. Um,
3: yep. yes, I do. I yes.
1: Because, Libby, you don't have mirrors, do you?
2: I don't even have an arena.
1: You don't? I just <laughs> remembered that you don't have, well, I don't have an arena, but therefore don't have mirrors. So that does blow my mind. Because I, I, I like do all my preparing
2: basically out in, a, in an open area that's about, I don't know, five acres at the local showground. And um, I just pick a tree or a post or something to aim towards to try and go straight. Um, I just love it. <laughs> I, I suffer I suffer with corners and short sides when I get into dressage yeah, arenas because yeah, I, I, I don't get to practice them. I bet. The arenas must feel small to you when you get in there. <laughs> They're extremely small.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so, Mandy, what other strategies have you put in
3: place to help your training? Well, it's mostly competition. It yeah. be, yes, it does. It, it does. Um, And, of course, the judge's comments and watching others ride um, Mm. keeps you moving forward. Um, And I have actually um, been to Germany twice to um, seek um, more information on what I'm doing. And, um, yes, so those are mainly the the two or three things I use.
1: So would you say then that you um, perhaps compete more than you might Otherwise, because you use that as a really important training feedback?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I don't enjoy competition, but I do need it in order to move forward.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. And so what's the end goal for you? Is it just all about the training, the love of the training?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um but one of the one of the guy the, the horses that I had got from um you guys is very, very talented. Mm-hmm. So of course, my my goal is to actually Hopefully he gets into the New Zealand development squad, and then from then on he um, is Olympic prospect because he's Ooh. only six. So um, that's yeah. very exciting. Not with me riding him, but um, yeah, that's that, that's the end goal for him.
1: What are some of the other challenges that you find training by yourself?
3: It's not having eyes on the ground when you know it's not feeling as it should. Yeah. And trying to correct it when it's just not happening, as I said before, you know, going down that rabbit hole Mm, and
0: knowing
3: knowing when to stop. Oh, Um, that's an interesting one. Knowing when to stop because I have and still do, but since um, having these two nice horses, I would just keep going and going and going because there was no one there to say, no, you've just got to stop, back off and just reset. But my makeup doesn't have that in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay. So if you're near you're tra- you're sort
1: of working on something, you'll keep go- you just want to keep going, keep going, keep going. Yes,
3: until yep. I can it. Yeah. And yep. bad habit, a very bad habit. What about are there any benefits to training by yourself? There is actually. Um yeah, just what Libby was saying before. Um, it's when you go away to a competition, it is just you and your horse. So when you go into the arena, you, you don't worry about stuff, you know, of, of who's watching or who's who's going to criticise you or because you've been on your own for so long and everything you do, you do it yourself. There's nobody to help you. So you just get, get to a show and away you go. You get out of the truck and you just get on your own. You're focused on yourself and away you go and you um, – yeah, competition is. It does come easy for me because we, as Libby said, we do do everything on our own.
1: That's so interesting to me because I thought almost it might be the opposite that if you're always running by yourself, then you get to competition and there's people watching, and then that would sort of really psych you out. But in fact, it seems like you are so reliant on what's going on internally, and you're so used to having no external validation that it just kind of doesn't exist for you, which is amazing.
3: He's absolutely correct.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Mandy. I'll loop everybody into the conversation now because it's something that I'm really getting from this is honestly I can see a lot of benefits in training this way. And You know, when Brett and I are talking about coaching and styles of coaching, I'm often referring to this sort of thing that I see everywhere in that, Riders are like a puppet on a string, you know, so they go to lessons two, three, four times every week and the coaches are, do this, do this, do this, this with your left hand, this with your right hand, go this way, do this. And I think, well, no wonder you get to the competition and oh, lost because there's just a void. <laughs> there's no one telling you, there's no one pulling the strings. So I actually think that there's, we can all take quite a bit of inspiration about the way that you three riders are training um, and everyone
2: who trains by themselves, because there's a lot to be learned from that. I think, I I think that you've nailed it. Um, My pet hate, if I do go to any coaching is to be micromanaged um, being told to, yeah, lift your pinky, squeeze with your right thigh, do whatever. Cause I, I ride around going, but why And this, this isn't going to help me when I'm at home by myself. I, I prefer less micromanaging and more bigger picture of what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it Um, because micromanaging is is of no use to me at all, none. No.
1: No, No, I think if anything it's just detrimental because it makes you just um, have no tools at your disposal when you need them, you know.
3: Yes, I I agree with what what you just said, Nat. When we go away to lessons, I soak everything up and I watch all the lessons I can watch on on that particular day or the two days that we're having. And it's just being able to get the feeling from what you're doing um, with your coach then to actually be able to go home and put that, back into practice without having someone around. You know, you have to just take that snippet of that three quarters of an hour when you know that it's it's good to actually take it home and work on
0: it for the next six months. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah I'm the same um, as, as Mandy and Libby in terms of once I get in the competition arena, I'm perfectly happy. Mm. I do... I do find it really tough when I ride into a very busy warm-up in Brisbane or Sydney and I look at everybody else and I instantly assume, oh, they know what they're doing and I don't. That really, on those occasions when I've had some help from a friend, judge, whoever, just to say a few words here and there, has been absolutely vital. And that's usually when I've ridden really good tests in those situations, when I've just had a little bit of support from someone standing outside the warm up, just to say more forward, less forward, straighter, you know, keep a head up in the change, little tiny basic things. Um, but yeah, once I get into a into a competition arena, I'm in my safe place. Like I go through that gate and I go, yay! I'm safe now. I'm away yeah. from the people. <laughs> i i
2: agree claire and I've, I've found the last couple of big competitions i actually go right out the back where no one is and warm up by myself rather than warm up in the warm-up arena because yeah like you i get very self-conscious and you look at everyone else thinking oh i'm 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 not good enough um whatever and i find if i just do my normal warm-up you know, dodging trees, kangaroos, whatever, out the back on a rough area, which is what I'm accustomed to riding in anyway, um, and um, and then go straight into the ring is is best. Um, yeah, it, that that works. And, and Claire, I, I'm so with you about when trying things out when you're trained by yourself, you can try things out and there's no one actually watching you if you get it really wrong. <laughs> you really stuff it up. That's an advantage. <laughs> Right, well, you're not scared to have a go then. So you're no. not scared to have a go because no
0: one sees. Yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't no, only the kangaroos.
3: Absolutely. You know? I'm the same at a competition as well. I do go out solo on my own and go away. And it must be something that we all do when we actually train on our own. It's, it's very odd to hear that. Is it? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, I've just been to a competition this weekend and there was nobody out behind the cars and off I went there on my own because there was nobody there and then everyone sort of started to come over so it's obviously a car <laughs> case. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, well, we, we have to wrap it up, ladies, but thank you so much. Really interesting discussion and inspiring as well and, you know, you're all really successful in writers, and I think that there's a lot to be learned from you know not necessarily the um the, maybe you didn't choose to be training solo the whole time but you've ended up in that situation and for for you know whatever reason you got there it seems to have really worked for you in many ways so I've really taken a lot from hearing about your story so thank you very much
2: thanks Net. thanks Nat thanks.